So good morning, Derby City Church. Um, I'm Andy, as you've heard this morning, and yes, I love working out of the road at um, Food Bank um, with Denise and the rest of the team. It's absolutely brilliant. You know, Jesus said, if you feed or clothe one of these um, in my name, you've done it for me. So, you know, we've done lots and lots of the, the months and the years for Jesus, haven't we? Um, Jesus just loves us to reach out to the poor, to those, the needy, and that's exactly what we're doing. It's absolutely awesome. So today, I want to talk about the good news, the gospel. Um, the gospel means good news. Um, in the Greek, it's euangelion. Um, you meaning, um, what does it mean? Just a minute. <laughs> you meaning good, and angelion means news. Good announcement or good news. So we pronounce the good news, don't we? It's like the Roman soldiers um, when they were fighting here and taking over Britain. They'd run back to Rome and say, you Angelion, good news, we've beat that British lot. <laughs> so we declare the good news, don't we? It's mentioned, good news is meant, or gospel is mentioned 76 times in the New Testament alone. It means to bring glad tidings um, and joyful and good news. An example of that word being used in the New Testament is Matthew 4, 23. It says, he went, this is Jesus, through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease amongst the people. So we live in a dark world, don't we? Um, and what we have every day when we switch on the TV is bad news, really. They hardly ever give us the good news. You know, the Queen has just died, utility bills are going up, and all the rest of it. But we've got some good, good news. And we need to hear that today. Um, I'm going to start off my talk with, with something that's um, not so easy, we don't find so easy, and it's called repentance. Um, but it's good for us to repent. It's good for us to turn away from our sins and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So imagine being on a plane. There's a young man on a plane, and he's looking forward to his destination. He's looking forward to the, the sand, sea, and sunshine, and... You know, he's just imagining all of those good things are going to happen when he gets on holiday. And there's a flight attendant, and she comes up to him. She looks very nice. She's in a uniform, and she smells divine. And she comes to him and says, Hey, sir, would you put on this life jacket? Would you just wear this for me, just in case? She said, You'll look absolutely fantastic in it. So he did. He put on this life jacket, and um, he felt good about himself, and she told him how handsome he looked and everything else. So he sat in his, his chair on the plane, he thought, wow, you know, aren't I good? I'm going on holiday, and things are great. Um, but after a while, the straps, the straps on this um, life jacket got a little bit itchy, a little bit uncomfortable, and a little bit heavy, really. And eventually, he thought... You know, this plane's great, I trust it, and I might just slip this off. And he slipped off the life jacket, and everything went well. But what about if there was a different scenario? 
What about if um, the lady come to him, the flight attendant, he'd heard the rumbling of the engines and a, a vibration in the floor in the plane, and she said, sir, put this jacket on now. Put this jacket on because the engines are failing and the, the plane is going to go down. Now, he puts this life jacket on and he wears it and he clings to it with all of his life, with, his, all, with all of his being, because he knows the only thing that's going to save him in this life now is this jacket. So he clings to it and he loves it and he wears it because it's going to save his life. Well, that's like the gospel. Sometimes we can hear, we can hear a, a message about the gospel that's easy. We can hear a message that says, you know, just choose Jesus, he loves you. And he does. He loves us more than we could ever imagine. But he wants us to do something with our lives. He wants us to re do something called repent. He wants us to repent and come to know him. So, with that, we're going to talk a little bit about repentance I don't like an easy message. I like to have the instructions. Um, God gives us an instructional manual, doesn't he, for life. And it's called the Bible. And sometimes we skip over things. So we need the truth, because the truth sets us free. So, salvation without repentance, it's not a very good salvation, is it? And Christianity, without the fear of God as well, Sometimes we need to re-examine and re-look at how we see God. We don't need an easy message all of the time. Sometimes we look on the, the, the faith channels on television, don't we, and we, we hear those easy messages. You know, here's ten steps to a better you. Here's three steps to a better you. Give us, give us your 10% and you're okay. You know? That's what the, that's what the teachers, that's what the preach but there's so, so much more to the, to the gospel. We need to repent of everything that we know that's wrong in our lives. We need to do it, and that way we can come to a proper relationship with Jesus Christ. Then we know that God is just and able to forgive us all of our sins. C.S. Lewis, um, the author of the Narnia series, wrote this about repentance, fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He is actually a rebel who must lay down his arms, laying down your arms, surrendering and saying, I'm sorry. Saying, I'm sorry to God. We, and realising that we've been on the wrong track in this life and get back onto the right track and start our lives again from the ground upwards. He goes on to say, this is the only way out of this hole that we're living, is to repent. There was a woman in the Bible, and she was caught in the act of adultery. I'm going to read the verse out for you. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of, of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. 
And they said, teacher, um, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says that she should be stoned to death. What do you say, Jesus? They were trying to trap him, it says, into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust on the ground with his finger and he kept hearing them asking for an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let someone throw the first stone that's never committed any sin. Wow. That's a tough, isn't it? Um, and he get, again, he just knelt down and, and wrote in the dust with his finger. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, probably because they were wisest, uh, until there was just Jesus and this lady left on the stage. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Did any one of them condemn you? And she said, no, Lord, not one of them condemned me. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. He said, go and sin no more. So, notice here, first of all, that Jesus gives the lady a gift. She'd just been caught in this act of adultery. And Jesus has given her a, a gift of no condemnation. When we come into a relationship with Jesus... He also gives us a gift, that gift of no condemnation. He pays a price fully for our sins. Um, the book of Hebrews says he paid it once and for all. Jesus is not going to come back and go on a cross again. He's already paid the price. He already did a full and fantastic work. You see, the lady would have left if Jesus hadn't have been there, well, she wouldn't have left. She'd have been dead, stoned to death. Um, but she would have felt ashamed and guilty. Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? Ashamed and guilt for the some of the things that we've done in life. But we can come to that place of repentance. We can come to Jesus and repent, say we're sorry, and move on. And Jesus is able and just to give us that gift of no condemnation. She knew that she'd broken the law and all she deserved really was death. But God himself gave her that wonderful gift, the gift of no condemnation. And when we come to Jesus, we just receive that gift of no condemnation as well. Um, a gift, it's a gift that we don't deserve. A gift that should be for those that have followed Jesus maybe and lived a righteous life, lived a good life. But now he gives it to sinners. Sinners saved by grace, by God's grace alone. So, but there's Jesus offering that gift freely to every single one of us. It requires us to repent and come into a relationship with Jesus. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, is what the word says. So if you're a Christian, you can cling to that today. You have a gift of no condemnation. Because he took all of our condemnation, our shame and our guilt upon the cross. So what was Jesus telling her to do? He gave her this gift, a marvellous, beautiful gift. But then he gave her some advice. Actually, he gave her a command. He said, go away and sin no more. 
What was Jesus asking her to do right there? He was asking her to repent. Sin no more. Turn away from it. So he gave her this beautiful gift and then he told her to repent. But we can turn away from our sinful ways as well. We live in a fallen world where sin is the thing. Sin is counted as good in many spheres of life and goodness is counted not so good. But the good, in Romans 2, 4, it says, the goodness of God leads to repentance as well. So when we hear that good news of Jesus Christ and what he did for us at the cross, we can't help but repent. We can't help but change our ways. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and righteousness. It convicts the, the world of the sin because they don't know him. But those that do know Jesus, he's convicting you of your righteousness. Which, when you think about it, it's very similar. You know, if, if you're supposed to be righteous and you're committing sin. Well, <laughs> um, when we hear the good news of Jesus, it brings us into a better place. It brings us into God's kingdom. It's awesome. You know, I've got a friend, and he knows that I'm a Christian, and many times he says, what have you been doing at church at the weekend? And I'll tell him. I'll tell him about some of the stories I've heard of people that have come to know Jesus, what we've been preaching about, and everything else, and he loves it. But, you know, he, his answer is, one day, when I'm old, when I've had all that sin and everything else, and I've had all the pleasures in this life, then I'm going to come and repent and know Jesus. But I've told him, and I'm telling you guys now, that don't know Jesus, you don't know when your last breath is. You don't know when Jesus is going to call you. So it's best if we do that repenting and coming to know Jesus right now, not waiting for years to come and living in sin. You know, it's not a bad thing that we're moving away from sin either. We're moving away from sin and into God's righteousness. So I pray for my friend you guys pray for him as well. You might have friends just the same. You've tried years to, to bring them to church or an Alpha course. Alpha's fantastic, by the way, and I've come to know Jesus through an Alpha course, so I can definitely re recommend it. Mark 1.15 says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. Repent and believe the gospel. He says, repent and believe. So that means stop not believing and simply believe. Believe in the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus as well. Repent from not believing in Jesus and believe. It's simple. So what we're saying here, in essence, with repentance, it's completely turn away from sin. So here it is. A sinner wants to repent. So what does that mean? It means to turn away from your sin. And as you turn away from your sin, you turn to God. Turn away from your sin and face God. Right. Two people back in the Garden of Evil. Eden. <laughs> the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve. That'll be mentioned later on. The Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. 
Um, way back in creation, God made Adam, didn't he? He made the heavens, the sun, the stars, um, all those supernovas that we hear about and everything else. And he, then on the sixth day, he made man in his own image. He made Adam from the dust of the earth. And then he blew life into his nostrils. It, the Bible calls it the breath of life. He breathed into him the very breath of God, the breath of life. So God put Adam into a deep sleep after um, making Adam, and he took, he robbed a, um, a rib from his side, and then he healed it back up, and he made Eve out of that rib, didn't he? Um, and then they lived in the Garden of Evil. They had he- everything that they needed, everything that they wanted. Um, God looked at his creation and he was well pleased with it, is what the Bible says. He was very, very pleased with his creation. He told Adam uh, he could eat every fruit of every tr- single tree in that garden. Um, every one of the, those trees was good for food and nourishment. But he said, there's one tree, and I don't want you to eat, eat from it. I want you to stay away from it. Um, this tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Up until this time, they hadn't got a clue that they was naked. But when they ate of it, they knew they were ashamed because they was naked. Curiosity killed the cats. And in the garden, um, they were tempted to eat from this tree. Um, have you ever seen the Simpsons, the, um, the animation? Um, Homer Simpson's in the kitchen, and his wife Marge says, now, Homie, don't you eat this pie? <laughs> And she went out to the room, went out to the kitchen just for a few minutes. He looked at it and pondered upon it, and he ate it. God said, just don't eat from this one tree, and they ate from it. Um, The serpent or the snake um, persuaded Eve that it was good, and she wouldn't surely die if she ate from this tree. So she did, and Adam partook in that as well. That very moment they ate from that tree, we call it the fall, that's when Adam and Eve um, disobeyed God. In fact, there was in total rebellion after that time against him. Um, After that, um, God gave a a law to Moses with 613 laws, um, including the Ten Commandments, do not steal, do not rob, um, do not kill, don't cover your neighbor's ox and things like that. Don't lie. Um, what about a little white lie? Well, it's still a lie. Don't do it. Um, don't cover it. Don't cover it. Um, but could we do it? We could never keep those laws. God was gracious in giving us those laws, and we still miss the mark there as well. Could I just ask Emma and Abigail just to come to the front for a minute, please? This is my wife, Emma, and this is my daughter, Abigail. So, which one of you guys want to be God? (laughs) We'll we'll let you do it, but don't go home thinking the same things. (laughs) And Abby is going to be humanity. So, at creation, we've got God, and he's been merciful, and he's created Adam and Eve, and everything's great in the garden, isn't it? So there was together, there was face towards each other, there was love, there was companion for God and there was companion for man, and everything was great. But then 
just like this story that we've just said, um, Eve took of that fruit off that forbidden tree, didn't she? So with that, she was in total rebellion to God. But with that, and because, because Eve and Adam had sinned, now God had to turn his back on humanity as well. So with this, there was years and years, many years of God um, trying to bring back man to himself. We had that law. Um, when we read the Old Testament, we, we read the story of redemption from Adam's fall right up until Jesus came. So eventually Jesus did come and Jesus died on the cross. He took every single sin, yours and mine, past, present and future, it was in the future, wasn't we, 2,000 years ago? So Jesus paid the penalty for this sin. So with that, now man can turn back to God and God made the effort and turned back to man. There we go. But Romans 3, 23 says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, we've heard it this morning, is death. That death is a lifetime without God, without his presence. But Jesus came to do something about it, didn't he? We've all sinned in this life. We've messed up. We've fallen short. And we've missed the mark. Have you ever seen an archer with his bow and his arrow? Um, his shoots and aims at the, um, the middle part of the board every single time. And sometimes he hits it. But most time... It just stays in the green or the blue or the white or something like that. We all miss the mark, just like the archer. But Jesus' standard um, says that we need to hit that bullseye every single time. If we're going to come into a relationship with Jesus, it needs to be 100% righteousness. So God's standards are very, very high. And we can't hit them every time. Like the archer will hit it sometimes. So what did Jesus do? Because we all need to be righteous, or else even our prayers will fall to the ground, because we're sinners and God's holy. So what happens? What needs to happen for us to come into that presence with God? Well, because we've fallen, God has to do something about it. Jesus had to do something about it. Jesus was totally righteous, totally holy. He lived a righteous life, but we didn't. You know, we could take every star in the galaxies and universe, all the energies of the, those black holes and antimatter and everything else, harness all the energy together and put it in one single place, and that energy wouldn't be any good to take it away, even one sin. Only Jesus can do that. And he paid the price totally at the cross. God did something about it. He sent his one and only son to die for each and every one of us. Jesus lived till he was 33 years old. And his life was pure. He lived a sin sinless life. A righteous life. Jesus hit the bullseye every single time. Never missed. Never failed. Boom, boom. Totally righteous. He kept the Jewish laws perfectly. And there was no sin found in him. So this righteousness, we need to come to Jesus for it. We can't achieve it on our own. 
Um, righteousness is something that God owns himself. We don't. But we can come to God and get this righteousness, this holiness that only he possesses as a free gift. Wow. Romans 5, 17 says, For if because of one's, one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, the first Adam, how much more will those who receive, wait for it, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness? How much more will they reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ? Jesus is called the last Adam in the Bible because Adam messed up, he sinned and he brought destruction into the world and Jesus, the last Adam, a type of Adam, came to put that right. He was sinless and he died for every single one of us here today. So there was a divine transaction that took place. This is us, sinful, rotten to the core really because of Adam. Our very nature is sinful and this is us, good for nothing, not good enough to come before a holy God. But this is Jesus. It's white, it's pure, it's righteous, it's holy. That's Jesus, that's his very essence. And what happened at the cross, we call it the divine transaction. Here's us, and we deserve none of the righteousness of Jesus. But he takes on everything that he didn't deserve He took on our sin. He took on our unrighteousness and everything else that's not good. He took that on and he gave us what we didn't deserve as well. His righteousness, his holiness and his salvation. When I was a young lad, I used to have a jar of marbles and I used to play with them all day long and... Um, At the end of the day, I'd leave them in the jar and put some water in there because they get dirty, throwing them up the wall and in the dirt and things like that. So I'd put them into the the jar and the next morning when I wanted them again, I'd open them up, tip away the water and they was fresh. They was clean. This is what Jesus does for every single one of us. He always sees us clean. He always sees us righteous. That's if we know Jesus and we've come into that relationship with him. If not, we're still in that realm of Adam where we've sinned and we've messed up and we need his righteousness. But Jesus wants to clean us up. He wants to make us fit for heaven. He wants us to make us fit for a relationship with Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved this world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall never perish, but will have everlasting life. God loves us so much that he decided to do something about this sinful state that we're in. He went to a cross. God the Father sent his one and only son to pay the price of our sin in full. To pay for our sins. Jesus took all of our sins upon him at the cross And he was punished on our behalf. Because we deserve that punishment. Because we've messed up. Jesus never messed up. But he took the price and paid the price 100%. 
Isaiah 53 says, but he was pierced because of our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was upon him. So Jesus took all of our iniquities, all of our mess-ups, all of our bleeps in life upon himself. And he pleased the Father to do it because he wanted us back in that relationship with him. Jesus, when he was um, betrayed, he was flogged. Not many people survive a Roman flogging. They usually die just because of that. It's so, so severe. If you've ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, that will give you a snippet into what Jesus actually went through. Jesus was spat at. He was mocked. Um, The Jewish leaders took it in turns to slap his face, pull his beard, and, and beat him. Jesus was ridiculed and rejected and despised by the people around him, those that are supposed to love him. But he was put on trial for something he never committed. He was put on trial because he was claiming to be the son of God and God himself. He was made to carry a heavy wooden cross through the streets of Jerusalem in agony, walking up those hills and those streets and the hill of Golgotha. The Roman soldiers tormented him, slapped him, pushed him over and things like that. And then he would be killed. When he reached the top of the hill, then nailed his feet and his hands to a cross in a position of asphyxiation. At the end, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the real pain for Jesus, being away from his father. He'd never done it, and now he had to. You see, because Jesus now took on the sin of the world, our sin, your sin, God the Father couldn't be near him because Jesus was full of that sin, and God is righteous. But he took on the sin of the world, your sin and my sin. But then he was brutally hung upon this cross. Jesus cried out, "Um, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he cried out with a loud voice at the end, it is finished. What did he mean there by it is finished? Salvation had come in the bodily form of Jesus Christ. Salvation was made available to you and to me. That righteousness had been imputed. We're not not righteous, but it was imputed to those that come to know Jesus. Those that want to put their faith and their trust into Jesus. It's finished. The work is done. The redemption story didn't end there, though, because Jesus had been buried for three days, and on the third day, he rose again. And then he went to be with his Father in glory forevermore, where he intercedes for you, and he intercedes for me daily. Wow. For us to benefit from all of these things that we've talked about, this good news that Jesus can save us from that death, because the wages of sin is death, we need to put our trust in Jesus Christ. It says, repent and believe. So it's simple, really. The good news is simple. We just need to trust in Jesus, trust in what he's doing at the cross, believe 
and have eternal life. It's so, so simple. Have you guys got that faith today? Have you put your trust in Jesus? Have you set aside yourself and your own ways and thought about eternity? Because eternity is a real place and we don't want to miss what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to be with him in that eternal life. He wants us to enjoy the Father, to worship the Father in glory. Um, Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it from your heart, you will be saved. How simple is that? Speak it out and believe it. That's all you need to do and you will have everlasting life with the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I'm going to do now, I want to pray with you guys. And I want to ask the question today, do any of you guys not know Jesus Christ? Are you not in that relationship with him? If so, you can do that today. Today is the day of good news. It's awesome news. Today, if you're not a Christian and you become a Christian, there's a party in heaven. God wants us in that relationship with him. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to ask you all to shut your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm just going to pray. So, is there anybody here today that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there anybody that's not going to eternity with him? Is there anybody here today that wants that position? That wants to come to know Jesus? that wants those benefits of heaven in the new kingdom. If there is, if that's you, nobody can see, just raise your hand. Just requires you to put up your hand, that's all. Anybody want to know Jesus today? Hmm. I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your good news. I thank you that you sent your, G- your son Jesus to the cross to pay the price for our sins. Father, I thank you that you made a way where there seemed to be no way at all. Jesus, we come to you today and we repent of our sins. We turn from our sins and we turn to you. And we say sorry. Sorry for being on the wrong path. Sorry for sinning. And we come to you, Jesus, and we believe. We repent and believe in Jesus' name. Amen. If any of you guys have prayed that this morning, come and see one of us, and we'd like to give you a pack to take away with you, an invitation to Alpha, and you won't regret it. Amen.